We welcome all of you here. We welcome those who may be visiting today. What a great joy to have visitors with us this morning. Thank you for gracing us with your presence and warming our worship. We want to welcome all of you who may be watching or listening online, either to our YouTube or Facebook or podcast. We thank you so much for joining us. And on this kind of snowy weekend and bitter cold morning, we know that maybe many of you are watching us online. So thank you for being a part of our fellowship that way also. Today we get to continue our sermon series from the Gospel of Mark, When Kingdoms Collide. And the Spirit has led us all the way up to Mark chapter 12 today. Actually, it's not Mark chapter 12 today. Oh, Mark chapter 9. It's Mark chapter 9, verses 42 through 50 today. And in my Bible, the section is entitled, Causing to Sin. Hear the word of God. If anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin... It would be better for him to be thrown into the sea with a large millstone tied around his neck. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands to go into hell, where the fire never goes out. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet and to be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell, where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can you be made salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. Let us pray. Lord, this is a difficult passage. And we just confess before you right now that we need your help your spirit to guide us and lead us and help make sense of it. And what is it that Jesus is saying to us in today's world, in our lives, here and now? Lord, come and uh, just bless us and grace us with your spirit, with your presence, with your understanding and insight, Lord, as we, as we silence our lips, as we still our bodies, as we focus our mind and open our hearts. Come, Lord Jesus, come and speak to us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Dear people loved by God, have you ever uh, let a problem slide only to have it come back and bite you later in a much worse way? I think you know what I mean. Your car is making that strange noise, you know, underneath the hood, and uh, you think, well, maybe it'll just go away. Uh, you know, I don't really need to bring it to the mechanic, but the noise kind of keeps getting worse, and you keep ignoring it until finally, a couple of months later, you find yourself broken down along the road. You struggle with that nagging cough, and it keep, you keep coughing and hacking, and never mind that it's been six months, but you refuse to go to the doctor. 
until finally you end up with pneumonia and in the hospital. That downspout, that eve on your house, the gutter keeps sagging down and, and your wife says, honey, why don't you go out and get that fixed? And you go, well, I'm too busy right now. I don't have time to attend to that, to, to do the home repairs right now. I'm so busy. I'm so tired. And, and then you have a five inches of rain in a, in a rainstorm and the gutter falls off and the water seeps into your basement and floods your basement. There was a woman who one day saw, noticed bees buzzing around her home. She noticed the bees for some weeks, even months. They kept flying in and out of a tiny little crack, a tiny little hole under the eave. What harm could a few bees do, she thought. Not a big deal. She went about her business and didn't worry about it. But the bees also went about their buzzness too. Until one day when she was in the kitchen doing dishes, she heard a loud crash in the bedroom and she ran in to investigate only to find hundreds and hundreds of angry bees buzzing around and a huge beehive loaded with honey that had crashed through the ceiling now onto the floor. The ceiling collapsed under the weight of the hive and the honey. What seemed like a few harmless bees suddenly turned into a huge problem. Could it be that Jesus is warning us today about the dangers of letting things go? Not the dangers of not fixing your car or going to the doctor when you should or making home repairs in a timely way. Not the dangers of allowing some bees inside of your attic. Those are all problems too. But rather, I think maybe Jesus is warning us today of the danger of allowing sin to go unchecked in your life. Through harsh, figurative, and vivid language, Jesus speaks to us today from Mark chapter 9 about the danger of sin. Notice it is not the sins of others. It's not the sin in the church, but sin in you and me. Today's passage is a clarion call to self-examination. It was spoken by Jesus to challenge and convict you. And it's my prayer that this message will do the same. Three things that Jesus is saying to us today through Mark chapter 9, verses 42 through 50. Number one, I believe Jesus is saying through this passage to live positively. Just say it with me. To live positively. In verse 42, Jesus says, If anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to be thrown into the sea with a large millstone tied around the neck, his neck. So is Jesus referring to the child that he took into his arms in verse 36? That would be a fitting application. Or maybe Jesus is referring to child in a metaphorical sense to mean anyone who is new in the faith, perhaps like the man who is casting out demons in verse 38, who is not a part of the original 12 disciples. We talked about this last week. 
Is Jesus referring to children or those who are young in the faith? Yes. The answer is both and. Most scholars agree that little ones here refers to those who are young in the faith. It could be both children and new believers. And the warning is clear. Causing a child or new believer to sin is a serious matter. We all know today the ways in which children are sometimes used and abused in our society through atrocious and hideous ways. Sex trafficking and child slavery and the porn industry. And Jesus is clear. Be better if a large millstone were tied around the neck of anyone that causes these little ones to sin for that person to be thrown and for that person to be thrown into the sea to drown. I say, well, what's a millstone anyway? We don't use that word too much. So, uh, so here's a picture of a millstone. And a millstone was used in those days. It was a heavy stone on a slab, and it would often be turned probably by a donkey to grind grain. You can see that right there. There's a big old kind of wheel. That's the millstone kind of on the base, and grain could be put into that base, and the donkey would kind of be attached to kind of like the axle and uh, would just kind of go around and around. Okay. Now imagine how much that thing weighs. Do you think you could tread water with that around your neck? No. You get that around your ear going straight to the bottom of the sea. This is serious stuff. That's what Jesus is saying. But let's flip it around. Let's make it a positive. What is Jesus saying more positively? I believe Jesus is saying, keep your life clean. Be a good example, especially to those who are young in the faith, before children and new believers, because their eyes are watching you. How many of you know that children see what adults, what parents, what grandparents do, and they pick up on it? Habits, attitudes, speech, language. As followers of Jesus especially those of us that have walked with Jesus now for a few years or more, we have a tremendous responsibility to live your life positively before others, to reflect the life, the spirit, the love of Jesus and His purity. In other words, keep your nose clean. Let your life be worthy of imitation. And the question I want to ask each of us today is, is, our li- is your life worthy of imitation? What example are you setting for children, for those who are young in the faith, for, other, for anyone? If you could clone yourself, would the world be a better place? Here's the good news, for, especially for parents or grandparents and really for all adults. Uh, did you know that the number one indicator of a child's spirituality, what they're going to become as they grow up and mature in the faith, the number one indicator of how that child is going to turn out is the faith and example of their parents. That's the good news. 
Uh, if you're a parent and you, you open the Word of God together with your family, you, you set a good example in, in faith and in speech and in your actions. If you say, hey, we're going to make Sunday church attendance a priority in our lives, chances are your children are going to follow suit. They're going to see your example and they're going to do it too. If, you grow, if, you, if they brought up that way, most of the time they will follow. That's the good news. Do you know what the bad news is? The number one indicator of how your children will turn out is the faith of their parents. It's the same thing. Unfortunately, it works in the negative too. If you're a person, a parent, a grandparent, an adult who who is prone to drinking or profanity or you've just got some bad habits and your attitudes are always negative. You know what? Guess what? How how are your children going to turn out? In the same way. Little eyes and little ears are watching and listening to what you say and to what we say as adults, regardless of if you have children or not. You are a witness Live your life positively. What example are you setting for those who are young in the faith? Are members of Grace Church setting a good example for visitors, for those who might be checking us out, who might be visiting, maybe young in the faith, maybe not even in the faith yet? And I hate to say this, but I feel like I need to. You know, sometimes our visitors are more active in the life of the church than some of our members are. We have a drama, and we see that it's filled with visitors. Where are the members? We have a Sunday in the park. We have lots of visitors. Where are the members? Jesus is saying, no, live your life positively as an example because people are watching. Don't be a drag, a discouragement, or a distraction to those who are young in the faith. Be a positive, loving, living example to everyone, to those around you. Live positively. Amen? Amen. Number two, I believe Jesus is saying through this passage to live purely. Just say it with me. Live purely. Verses 43 and following, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Better for you to enter the life maimed than with two hands and go to hell where the fire never goes out. If your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. Better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Perhaps these are some of the most difficult and harshest words that Jesus ever spoke. Is Jesus really suggesting that we maim ourselves, cut off a hand or a foot or pluck out an eye? No, I don't believe so. Jesus is using hyperbole, exaggerated speech here. He is using harsh, figurative language to make a very critical and important point. Sin is a deadly, serious matter. God hates sin. Why? Because He has so much better for you, so much more for you. And despite what culture tells you, it is a big deal. So Jesus says, do whatever it takes, any measure, to eliminate sin from your life. This is nothing less than life or death consequences. 
It is better to receive eternal life with bodily limitations than to have your whole body intact and be thrown into hell. That's what Jesus is saying. This is serious stuff. And I just think that maybe we need to hear this again. I think I do. Sometimes we grow so comfortable with sin. So everybody's doing it. It's not really a big deal. It doesn't hurt anybody. Jesus says, no, cut it out, is really what he's saying. The term hell here in the original Greek language is the word Gehenna. Gehenna comes from the name of a deep ravine, a valley south of the city of Jerusalem, sometimes called the Valley of Hinnon. During the reigns of wicked kings Ahaz and Manasseh of the Old Testament, human sacrifices were offered there in this valley to the Ammonite god Molech to an idol. A righteous king named Josiah, the son of David, desecrated that valley because of the pagan sacrifices that had been taken place there. He deemed it condemned. And eventually it became a sort of perpetually burning city dump, just smoldering and stinky, and later a symbol for the place of final judgment and hell, one of the many symbols that the Bible uses. It was literally a place where the worm does not die. Consider all the human sacrifices that were made there and, and a place where the fire never goes out, perpetually smoldering fires. It became a metaphor for hell. And in Jewish thought, the worm symbolized the internal torment and pain of hell. Now, I don't know about you, but having worms inside of me, that just freaks me out. Okay, that, I, that just, it just sounds gross. I'm thinking, oh, there's a worm that crawled into your ear every now and then you hear it. Oh, my goodness, no. He's like gnawing away. That would explain a lot in me. I know that would explain a lot. Maybe, they, maybe I have worms. I don't know. But the thought of worms in your internal being, isn't that just freak you out? I mean, that is just, oh, just, you know, gnawing away or whatever they do. The fire is symbolic of the external pain. And if you've been close to fire or ever been burned, you know it hurts. And sometimes you can have a burn that will, that will sting and be sensitive for, for a while. And Jesus uses Gehenna, this valley, to illustrate the serious consequences of sin. It's better to enter life maimed than to spend an eternity suffering in Gehenna where the worms are crawling around and where the fire never goes out. Friends, like it or not, whether it's popular or not, the Bible does teach about a real place called heaven and a real place called hell. I know it sounds like a myth or fantasy or fairy tale to some, but think about all of the time that Jesus spent teaching about the topic of hell. From Lazarus and the rich man, the parable of the sheep and the goats, where they go away to eternal suffering, to the book of Revelation with Satan himself being thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where he, along with a beast and false prophet, will be tormented forever and ever. Say it with me, forever and ever. The Bible teaches us about hell in many places. In contrast, Jesus also taught about a place called heaven. 
the kingdom of God, eternal life, everlasting peace and joy, a future life without pain or suffering or death or dying. Revelation 21, Revelation 22, picture of heaven. And the question I ask you today is, where will you spend your eternity? It's one of those two places. There is no purgatory. There's no in-between. Which place will you go to? Think about it. There is an afterlife. Jesus said, what does it profit a person to, to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? You have a soul. And it's more important, more valuable than anything and everything in this world. And by the grace of God, your soul will be sustained into eternity in one place or another. Which will it be? Jesus' words challenge us on at least three levels. If your hand causes you to sin, I think of hand as referring to what you do. Your deeds, your, your actions, probably even your speech, uh, but not just what you do, but how you do them. You see, the ends doesn't justify the means. We as Christians do things ethically, morally, uprightly. What you do, how you do them, and why you do them, that speaks to motives. What drives you? We can do a lot of good things. They might look good on the outside, but sometimes our motives are kind of yucky. It's like, oh, that's, you know, that's what I'm going, you know. No, who are you when no one is looking? Because God sees it all. And I think Jesus is saying, cut it, cut it, all, cut it out. Your foot, if your foot causes you to sin, I think this refers to where you go. Some people have a knack for finding themselves and being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Look, if you're hanging out with, in shady places with shady people doing shady things on shady lane here, so no, I don't. So, no, you're going to fall into sin. You're just going to. Don't go there. Just stop walking down that same dead-end path that gets you nowhere, and then you regret it afterward. Don't do that to yourself anymore. Cut it out. Cut it out, says Jesus. Your eye, if your eye causes you to sin, this refers to what you see. How many of you know that what you would tend to look at, what we place before our eyes, deeply affects the quality and condition of our soul? Jesus said in Matthew 6, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If you're viewing questionable things online, if you're watching violent movies or immoral, baseless TV shows, your life is going to follow your mind, which is following your eyes, what you see. 
And Jesus warns us today, and he just says, just cut it out. Cut it out. I want to add a fourth one. Not that I could improve on anything Jesus said, but I think this one might be understood to be a part of number one, where what your hand, what you do. And, and this is one I would add is your tongue, your tongue. If your tongue causes you to sin, sometimes I hear the most foul of words come out of the mouths of Christian people. Gossip, coarse language, slander, Profanity, lies, put-downs. We curse God. We talk about others. We post things on Facebook or social media to slander another's reputation. And James says, no, the tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and itself is set on fire by hell. Again, life or death matters here. You know, James said that the tongue, it's a very small part of the body, but it's, it, it's analogous to a rudder of a ship. This is like a rudder. You know, the rudder is just a small part of this big, huge ship, big cargo ships, you know. And uh, yet there's a relatively small rudder, and that steers the whole direction of that ship. And so, too, our words often end up steering our lives in a certain direction. And it's not always good. To flip all of this around, what is Jesus saying? I think he is saying, once again, live purely. Say it again. Live purely purely. Be holy as your Father in heaven is holy. Be set apart. Let your life be stain-free before God. Eliminate sin. Not even a hint of sexual immorality. Not even the appearance of evil. Shine with the radiance and the purity of Christ like, like a 24-carat diamond against a dark velvet backdrop. And the question I ask today of us, is there a particular sin that you need to confess and cut out? And maybe there's something right now that the Spirit is seeing, putting on your heart, putting on your mind. Something you know is wrong, and yet you kind of do it anyway, and figure it's not a big deal, and I'll ask for forgiveness, and, and we cheapen God's grace. Live positively. Live purely. Thirdly, live powerfully. Say it with me. Live powerfully. What do we mean here? Well, let's look at verse 49. Verse 49 is an interesting verse. It's, there's a little bit of debate about this one, where it fits. It, it probably fits on the heels of what has just been said, um, and uh, scholars debate a little bit about it. Everyone will be salted with fire. What does that really mean? Well, one of the ideas here is that everyone who enters hell will be scorched with fire. In other words, no one who goes to hell will escape its harsh and painful punishment. Everybody's going to have, those who end up there are going to feel that. That's one interpretation, and that would kind of make sense given what Jesus has just said. Uh, the other one is the idea that everybody, even Christians, will undergo a kind of trial by fire in this life. 
How many of you know we all face persecutions? We all go through trials. We all go through tribulations. We go through hard times. And in this way, we are all sort of salted by fire. And yet the good news is that God can help us stand in the midst of those trials and tribulations. That we need not cave in. We need not fall victim. We need not give ourselves to sin but with the strength of Jesus, I can do all things in Christ. Amen? But the verse I really want to focus on is verse 50. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with each other. What is Jesus talking about here? Is he talking about putting salt on your burger and fries? No. Is he talking about spicing your soup with a pinch of salt? No, I don't believe so. Jesus is referring here to your witness as a Christian. Jesus said in Matthew 5, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. In other words, live your life as a powerful witness to others. Jesus said in Acts 1.8, And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Those are co-centric, expanding circles. Today we could say, Jesus says to you, when I give you my spirit, you're going to be my witnesses. In Waterloo and Cedar Falls and throughout the Cedar Valley and the state of Iowa and the United States of America and to the ends of the world, all around every country, which we do here at Grace through our mission and outreach, right? Too often, Christians tend to compromise their witness and lose their saltiness. Maybe we act one way on Sunday morning, but live totally different Monday through Saturday. You may indulge in sinful behavior on the weekends, Friday or Saturday, and then come to worship on Sunday morning and sing God's praises. There's something wrong with that picture, right? We may talk one way in the break room at work and quite another when we come into this building of worship. With the same lips, we curse people and praise God. And James says, brothers and sisters, this should not be. Jesus says, don't lose your saltiness. I love how the Living Bible puts it, don't lose your flavor. So you're a spicy, be a spicy Christian. Don't compromise your witness or your walk with Jesus with sin, getting all mixed up in that. No, purify yourself, live positively and powerfully before God. Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with each other is the last part of this passage. As we recognize in each other our common commitment to Jesus and His mission, strife is resolved and peace is restored. Amen? It's the way it ought to be. I have a personal prayer that I pray almost every day, and I shared this with some of you in our small groups last year, uh, but I wanted to share it with all of you this morning, and maybe it's a prayer that will help you too. It's been helpful for me, and it helps focus my day when I pray it. And again, most every morning I pray this prayer, and I've prayed it for years, but I pray for four things, and I think there's kind of a sequence, actually. The first thing I pray for is purity, purity. I say, Lord, uh, wash me clean. 
with the holy water, the living water of your spirit, Lord, just wash my brain of all those crazy and negative and maybe sinful thoughts. Lord, wash my heart. Let it be clean and pure before you. Lord, I want to be a pure vessel in which your Holy Spirit is free to live and move and fill me. I pray for purity. The second thing I pray for is peace. And I think it comes from purity because if we're walking right with God and we're right with others, we have peace. We have peace with God and we have peace before others. And I say, uh, Lord Jesus, just fill me with peace. Fill me with, with uh, contentment. Lord, um, uh, help me to live my life as a, as a contented person, not all anxious and nervous and worrying and, you know, uh, chatting a mile a minute because I'm nervous about things and I'm trying to cover up my or express my own worry and anxiety. But, Lord, just let me be a person of purity. And from that purity, may peace flow into my being and into the lives of others. Lord, thirdly, I pray for power. Power. If, if I'm pure and I have peace... Lord, give me the power. I'm going to have power. I'm going to have power to live a righteous life before God and before others. I will be able to do everything through Christ who strengthens me, who is now living in me. Lord, give me that power. Give me health. Give me health in my body, Lord. Heal my body, my brokenness, my back pain, whatever else that's going on with me that particular day. Lord, I need your health. I need strength, power to do your work today, to, to go into the office and to, to write a message or to help lead a small group or to do whatever is needed in the world today. Lord, give me purity. Lord, give me peace. Lord, give me power. And fourthly, Lord, give me passion. Lord, let me be so abundantly and effervescent, overflowing with your spirit that I am filled with your passion for you, for others, for life itself. Help me, Lord, to be a passionate person. And so that's my prayer, and maybe, maybe that'll work for you if you want to. Feel free to take from that or not, but I just wanted to commend that to you. It's a part of our witness. Jesus said, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. I don't know about you, but I want my life to shine for Jesus wherever I go. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Amen? So what does all this mean for you? Most of us, when we get up in the morning, one of the first things we do is we look in the mirror. Uh, uh, I don't know why we do it. Like, oh my goodness, I got bags under my eyes. I'm sagging. Oh my goodness. You know, I guess it's kind of we know what to fix then, right? We're trying to, okay. But we look in the mirror. Today, I believe Jesus is calling you to look in the mirror. To take a good, honest look at yourself and say, do I like the person that I see there? Can I look him or her in the eye with integrity, without wincing? Am I proud of who I am before God and, and as a person? Can I do that? There was a man who came home from work and his wife pointed out immediately that there was a rattlesnake that was coiled up in the corner of the living room, she was afraid to go in there. She was alarmed. Her husband said, oh, I'm so tired. 
It's been a rough day today. You know, I, I'm just too busy. I'm just going to lay back in my lazy boy recliner and pull the lever back. And, you know, I'm just, I've got to take it easy. I'll deal with it later, maybe, when I get around to it, you know. No, that would be crazy and potentially deadly. When something as deadly as a rattlesnake is threatening your home and your life, you get rid of it, you get rid of it now. And I think Jesus is saying the same thing to you and me today. View sin with the same urgency, the same emergency. Let the sirens go off. Let the alarm bells go off in your mind, in your heart, when you feel yourself slipping or when you know you've made a mistake. Just let those alarm bells... No, deal with it. When I was a boy and I grew up as the fifth of five children, I had two older brothers and two older sisters, and I know that this will surprise many of you, but I sometimes fought with my siblings. Yes, I did. And it was crazy. But, you know, like any other household, there was yelling and screaming and hitting. And you know how it is growing up. Uh, those of you who have siblings especially, you know what it's like. It's not always pretty. And uh, so we sometimes would do that. And sometimes mom or dad would have to kind of step in. And they would say three words. Cut it out. You heard that? You ever hear that expression? Cut it out. Knock it off. What, something like that. You know, cut it out. And we don't normally talk that way to each other as adults very much, right? We, we're more polite, you know, we're, we're a little bit more nuanced, we're, you know, a little more careful, we don't want to offend people quite so much, so we're, you know, we're careful not, you know, to try to, if we had to try to correct somebody, we'd be very careful about it, you know, uh, we probably wouldn't say just cut it out, you know, to somebody, but not Jesus. Today, Jesus is saying to you and to me, cut it out. Knock it off. You know better. Get rid of sin. Don't fall into the same old patterns of thinking and doing and your attitudes or bad habits, whatever it is, you know God will... Lay it on your heart to change in, in his time. But Jesus is just warning us today. Just cut it out. Cut, 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 cut it out. I think the reason is because God has so much more for you and me. He has such a better life than when we get all tangled up in this stuff. Let's pray. Father, we come before you today to say thank you that you've not given up on us. Thank you, Lord. In this difficult passage, this convicting passage, that, Lord, you love us enough to confront us and to warn us. And so, God, help us. And we thank you, Lord, that there is forgiveness and salvation through Jesus. Because truth be told, Father, we are all sinners. We've all fallen so far short. We need you in the light and glory of your holiness, which we've sung about earlier today. Oh God, we need your grace and your salvation. May we turn to you today before the sun goes down to confess our sins and to resolve to cut it out. 
Help us, Lord, to be more pure, more holy, more at peace, more powerfully living as an example and witness before you and others. And so, God, come. Help us in this endeavor, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Today we have a special treat for our offertory. We have a song that Beverly Smith and her cousin, is that right? Friend. Friend. Well, it's another Smith. Okay. So, and Joy would like to say. So, come on up and uh, bless us with music, would you please? Let us reflect on these words. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.